Well, I'm what's called, it's a really long title, so give us your full attention at this moment. I am the Head of Pastoral Leadership Support and Development. So it's a long business card, but it's, yeah, good job. What takes up the majority of your time in that role? Well, I lead a team of people that help support pastors right across Victoria. So there's almost 400 pastors, just like you, across Victoria that are Baptist pastors. And so in my team are regional pastors that look after different regions of the state. And then there's a couple of pastors that look after kind of like emerging leaders and generations pastors as well. And so they're very gifted, godly people. So it's a blessing to me to have them uh, leading. And really, I don't need to do a lot of, I just encourage them and cheer them on. Um, and, and so they're out everywhere. And so you know Robert Heyman, Rob Heyman has come and spoken here. And uh, yeah, so he's part of the team that looks after the Eastern region, which, which is great. And we've actually booked in September, I think, um, the next generation's Kimberly. Yes, Kimberly, she'll be great. She's dynamite, so yes. that'll be great. Yeah. And what's one thing about your role that brings you the most joy? Well, at the BUV hub, uh, we kind of have this longing and vision to see churches flourishing. I love it when I see a pastor flourishing. And really, I think we just talked about it here, um, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus. It's it's when a pastor trusts in Jesus uh, in the midst of things going wrong. I think that's when you see it the most. You know, when things are going great, you don't often, it doesn't show, it might be there. But when things are going really difficult, uh, for a pastor to trust in Jesus and see that happening, there's almost a loosening of the grip that they might have on the church. There's almost a, a greater openness to ask others for godly wisdom. There's a greater desire to pray. There's a, a greater faith. And I think, um, you know, they say, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. There's a, a grace. Uh, a, a, and I think that's when churches start to flourish, when you know that the pastor is trusting in Jesus more than anything. And when I see that, I go, oh, that's wonderful. It gives me joy. Great. Well, let me pray for you. Lord Great. Jesus, we just thank you for Jonathan, the blessing and the gift you've given him. Lord, we pray that you bless us now as he comes and shares with us and uh, opens your word and preaches to us. And Lord, we pray that we'd have responsive and open hearts to what you'd have to say to us today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Great. Thank you so much, Aaron. Um, I'm married to my wife, Mandy, who's a lovely woman. Um, I, sorry, I, I couldn't bring her with me today. She's a pastor at Sindel Baptist, so I had to leave her back in Melbourne. But um, when, uh, if you've got the PowerPoint coming up there as well, um, what happens is when I go to, we got married 25 years ago now, can you believe it? And, and what happened is when we first got married, we didn't have many possessions. So I just took for granted that what would happen is I would be able to put up on the main sort of living area my, one of my favourite posters of a band that I loved, U2. I loved U2. I'd been to a lot of their concerts. So I just assumed we're married. This is our house now. I'm putting this up. And so when I went to put it up, Mandy just said, no. She said, you are not putting that up. And I was shocked. I said, why not? She looked at me with a bit of a stern look in her eyes and she said, 
that might represent you as a single person, but it doesn't represent us as a married couple. <laughs> and it's still in the garage, in a box. It's been there ever since. And uh, it, she was right though. What you fill in your house says a lot about who you are. We add our personal touch to our home, don't we? When we first got married, we saved like crazy just to get a, a table that we would have dinner around. And, and we saved up and saved up and bought it. And then we bought some chairs to match and they're long gone now. They did represent us, but as we've gone older and older, we've got different things there now. They've, they've gone and new things have come in. We've got photos of the family. We've got nice little bits of art around the house. We've got nice little cushions as well. And if people walked into our home and looked around, they'd be able to sense our personal touch. They'd be able to say, I think Jonathan and Mandy live here. Look at the photos. Look at the things they've put up around the place. Um, the things that we have, they show who we are. And when you come into our house, if you came there today, you'd get a sense of who we really are. This morning, I want to ask you a question. If your life was a house and someone walked in, what would they see of Jesus? You know, if someone walked right up to the front door and knocked loudly, if they came inside and looked around, what could they see that would give them the indication that Jesus lives there? What would they see of Jesus' personal touch in your life? You know, often, at the Baptist Union Hub, we pray for Wangaratta Baptist Church. And we pray for you, Aaron. And I think what we would all be praying for Aaron as the pastor is that you would know the personal touch of Jesus in your life, that you would experience his presence and we, when we pray for the church, we would pray that the presence of Jesus would be experienced and known and seen in this church and where you live and where you work and where you go, the people would see Jesus is in you and there's evidence of that. And that together as you go out, you bring hope to the northeast because they see the presence of Jesus at work within you. I wonder, what would be the clear signs in your life that would cause people to see clearly the personal touch of Jesus in your life? If someone was to say, yeah, wow, those people, uh, that Jesus really lives in, the, in them, how would you know? What would you look for? Well, Paul, the apostle, wrote a letter to the Philippians. It's, it's a church that he'd helped started and he'd shared the gospel with Lydia down by the river in Philippi. And since then, Paul, Paul had forged this really deep friendship with the church that supported him financially. When he was not with them, in, while he was away from Philippi, they'd supported him. And when they heard that he was in prison, what they did was they took up an offering and they sent it to Paul. And Paul wrote the letter to Philippians to thank them 
to, to actually thank them for their gift and to encourage them to stand firm in their faith and in the joy of the gospel. And the passage that we're going to read together this morning comes from that letter. And I think as we turn to that in a moment, we need encouragement, don't you think? I think we need encouragement today. Like as sometimes we may find challenges uh, that just seem overwhelming. I mean, we just need to think of the last two plus years and often we have felt overwhelmed in the midst of all the COVID and the lockdowns and all the things and some of people have lost their jobs and some people are worried about their health and many of us have all had COVID and, and faced that as well. But if it's not that, Sometimes it's thinking about the cost of living going up and will we have enough and will we be able to get by? And there's so many things that can overwhelm us when we think you know, around the world and think of the people in Ukraine and their suffering and what they're facing. It can just seem overwhelming. The floods in Queensland and New South Wales, you know, people left without homes and really struggling and really struggling and have to rebuild and we can hear about that. And we just think, oh, we need to hear words of encouragement. And so Paul's words are important. Let Jesus be seen in your life, he says. Even now. You know, Paul was in prison when he wrote these words. He did not know for sure what would happen to him. But he let Jesus' presence, his personal touch, be seen constantly in his life for everyone to see. So what would Paul say to us today? What, what would Paul want for us today in our lives? What would he want for us to know? What would Paul long for a visitor who came into our house, into our life, to see? Well, I think this morning as we look at Philippians chapter 4 and verses 4 to 9, that one thing pops out to us that Paul would say, I think that's what you can look for that can tell. And you know what it is? It's peace. Peace. You know that Jesus has taken up residence in, in a person's life when there is peace in the midst of whatever's going on. In the midst of prison, there's peace in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardships, in the midst of all that we are facing, peace comes from the presence of God. In the midst of a world that's full of anxiety, shame, anger, fear, and to all that goes on, this peace that people have is beyond understanding. It's, it's greater than we can sort of whip up. It comes from trusting in a God who is wise and who is good and who is working out even through difficult things our ultimate good it's hanging on to that even in the circumstances that are difficult it guards our hearts and our minds and it does this because jesus is our lord and our savior and our friend his presence in our life brings us peace and anyone who looks in will see that jesus lives there great so one question then comes for us to ask is 
how can I let Jesus do a bit of a renovation in my life? Do you know what I mean? You know how we throw out things and bring in some new things. How can I let Jesus move and change things around so that peace reigns in my life? I think there's just four actions that Paul urges us to take from the passage that we're going to read. Four things that are to be done not once, but continuously, over and over again. You know, keep doing them. And if you do them, the peace of God will clearly be seen in your life. So let's turn to the passage now, uh, shall we, and look for these four actions that we must do regularly if God's peace is to dwell fully and richly in our lives. It's Philippians 4 and verses 4 to 9. Many loved and well-known verses for many people. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. What wonderful verses. You can imagine Paul just writing it and pouring out such wisdom and help for us when we feel overwhelmed. You know, the first action that Paul uh, calls us to do is to this, to rejoice. Rejoice. Paul repeats it again. He says it once, but then he repeats it again. He says, rejoice, I'll say it again, Re rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And this means that we're to be people who continually celebrate Jesus. Paul's trying to say, if you're in prison, rejoice. If you're Starting a new job, rejoice. If your health fails, rejoice. If your health improves, rejoice. Whatever the situation, rejoice in the Lord. We don't need to rejoice that we're suffering. No one wants to suffer. But we can rejoice that God's with us in our suffering. We can rejoice that he will help us, that he will strengthen us, that he will keep his promises to us and that even if we die, we'll be with him forever. If you rejoice in the Lord in the midst of difficult circumstances, 
you will know Jesus' presence and his joy. And everyone who enters the house that is your life will see that Jesus lives there. In the Stark household, I tried to think about, you know, if our life is a house, well, in our house, where do we rejoice most? And I kind of think it is around the table, you know, where we eat and have meals. We, we laugh and we share, we blow out the candles, we make speeches or we introduce boyfriends. That's happened a couple of times. And, but it's, we, have, we have lots of fun. And it is a time where we give thanks to God every day. We talk about, you know, as we eat and we remember his goodness to us and we rejoice. The Wangaratta Baptist Church, if this was our life, where do you rejoice? This is a celebration today, isn't it? We've been singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Once again, I look way maker. You know, we've been singing and, and rejoicing together. If you have a life group, uh, a small group that you're in, what a time to come together around the scriptures, encouraging each other, rejoicing. The women's breakfast, five bucks, rejoice. You know, <laughs> and a sleeping as well. Uh, but but you see that, that where we are, we can rejoice around in what, all that we're facing. So rejoice in the Lord. The second action that Paul calls us to, that the peace of God will be seen in our lives and people will be able to tell that Jesus lives there, is not only to rejoice, but to pray. Pray continually instead of worrying, is what Paul says here. Don't be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, will trans which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you are like most people, you have a number of very concerning things in your life right now. You might find yourself thinking over and over again, about an upcoming event. What's going to happen? Will I be ready? What's, what's the outcome going to be? It might be a difficult conversation that you need to have with someone. It could be an important assignment that's due, that is overwhelming, you need to hand it in. It could be that you have a constant chest pain and it just doesn't feel right and you worry about what it is. Is, is it going to work out right? Will I be able to say the things I wanted to say? Is it something worse than I think it might be? And we worry. And Jesus said that you can't add one single hour to your life by worrying. At best, worrying doesn't help a bit. At worst, it makes you feel anxious and it makes you feel stressed and unable to sleep. So Paul says, stop it, stop it, don't be anxious about anything. And you sort of think, it's easier said than done, Paul. <laughs> if we all could, we would. <laughs> but God offers us a better way than worrying in these verses. Instead of worrying, we are to pray. 
we are to pray about everything. So if you currently have a big, long worry list, what Paul would say is take a big text and cross out the word worry and put in prayer list. Instead of worrying about everything, pray about everything. Pray about your worries. Turn your worry list into a prayer list and pray continually. And you might ask, should I go to the doctor if I can't stop worrying? And the answer is, yes, you should go to the doctor if you can't, if you try and try and you can't stop worrying and, and you find that it's affecting your health. Sometimes we become so fuzzy in our head that medication or counselling or support to help us sleep is what we need to help us slow down and clear our thoughts so we can think straight again and pray. But if you don't have a situation that requires medical intervention, just stop worrying and pray. So how are we to pray? We're to pray always and in every situation. We pray by asking God specifically for help, what Paul calls petitions. We present our requests to God, but in all your prayers, Paul says, give thanks. And do you know what the promise is in these verses? If we stop worrying and start praying and we pray in all circumstances, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. Shalom. It's, it's this incredible uh, peace that goes beyond all understanding. It comes from rejoicing in the Lord, from praying and not worrying. In our house, I like to pray in the lounge room. It's kind of a bit more formal. Not many people go there, really. There's a piano there and there's a, a chair that I have that looks out over the street. So I go there early in the morning in a rocking chair and uh, I just sit there in the morning and I pray. And as I pray, as I pray, the worrying reduces and the peace increases. Where do you pray? Aaron, we long, I think, as a church, and I, I long that you would be a pastor that prays. Prays instead of worrying. And wouldn't it be wonderful if this church would be called a house of prayer? People say, what would you think about Wayne Greta? One thing they do well is they pray. <laughs> wouldn't that be incredible? It'd be fantastic. The third action that Paul calls us to do so that the peace of God is present in our lives is to think. Think. Think continually about God's good gifts. This is what it says. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Did you know someone 
once said, a person is not what they think they are, but what they think they are. That's deep, isn't it? Do you want me to say it again? A person is not what they think they are, but what they think they are. Our thoughts will affect every area of our lives. What we think will affect what we say, how we act, who we become. So Paul urges us to think about what we think about. Think about whatever is true as opposed to what is lies. Jesus said, I am the truth. Think about words and actions, Jesus' words and actions. What he said, what he did. They're all truth. Soak yourselves in the scriptures, in the, in the gospels, in, in all the Bible. Think about whatever is noble. I think these are people or acts that are dignified and honourable. Many people uh, use their boats in the floods to save people that were drowning in, in Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, many Russians have risked their lives by demonstrating against the war. This is noble, I think. Think about whatever is right not what is wrong and unjust, but what is righteous. Those people standing up for justice in Ukraine, those caring for people who've lost their freedom, this is right. Think about whatever is pure. I think that's about genuineness of motivation. Whatever is lovely. What are things, um, I think about things of beauty when I think about whatever is lovely. I love to sit in the garden, to listen to music, I love to go to the art gallery and just, it, it changes something in me. I love to see beauty. And, and Paul's saying, think about whatever is beautiful. Um, I, I, but there's, it's more than just things that are beautiful like that. I think it's like um, other thing, anything that's beautiful. Think about whatever is admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. I mean, this can be, Paul just says, Think about anything good, anything like that. I think we can think about a, a job that's been done well, a promise that's been kept, a person who stands up to power, who helps the poor, who defends the weak, who gives generously, a good friend. We could go on all day about anything that is admirable, good. or But can you see what's happening to our mind as we keep thinking about all these things? How can we put this into practice? I think the best way to do this is to fill your mind with good thoughts and there's no better way to do this than to open up the Bible, to pray, to worship, to journal, to wrestle with ideas that you read, drill down into a verse or a word or an idea and think through what you're reading so it affects you. Do that every day. Have a, start the day with a devotion where, where you're opening up God's word and reading and wrestling with it and thinking about it in a way that says, God, what are you saying to me? How I can live today? I want to be a thoughtful in the way I live. There's great Christian books. I always ask pastors when they are retiring, you know, what's the best book you've ever read? You know, a lot of people say, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, you know, that's a good one. You could read it, it only takes a short time. Um, but good books that are Christian books and inspire us. Why don't you memorise this passage today? Wouldn't that be incredible? That'd be a great thing to do, to wrestle with your mind and think about things. You know, one night 
our five-year-old daughter, she's not five years old now, but when she was, she couldn't sleep and she was crying and she was really upset. She said, I can't stop thinking about uh, something that happened that day. We'd taken her into Melbourne. We were living up in Wodonga, but we'd taken her to Melbourne and she jumped on the tram tracks and there was no tram coming, but she imagined a tram coming and hitting her and she couldn't stop thinking about it. And so we opened up Philippians 4, verse 8, and we said, Honey, can you think of anything that's true? And we tried to think of things that are true. Great. Can you think of anything that is noble? What about that? And we just kept going through it. And eventually, the anxiety changed, her thinking changed. And we said, Good night, and off to sleep. She went, Try it. It works on a five year old. But it can work on you. Imagine if you had this verse there every time you started to get anxious, you started to think on things that are good to be thinking about. When I think about the house that represents our lives, I think what many of us need to do is get off the couch in front of the TV. <laughs> many of us have been spending too many times. I know sometimes I can do that too. But get off that couch and maybe move into the study, you know, where you might have a bit of quietness and pull out a pen and paper and maybe you might have a Bible dictionary or a commentary here or something and start to really wrestle with what God's, who God is and what he's saying. I love listening to Aaron's uh, message. I listened to one on the way here. It was terrific. I think, wow, you could just, you get that each week. Come not only to rejoice, but get your pen and write things down. And that's, that's fantastic to help you thinking on things, think about what you're thinking on. So rejoice, pray, think. And the fourth thing that Paul says that if we do continually will help us know the peace of God. And when people look at us, they'll see the presence of God in our lives is simply this, it's to act. Act, which means continually put into practice all that you've learnt. In Philippians 4.9, we read, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Wouldn't you love to just say that? Okay, everyone, whatever you've seen me do, do it. <laughs> Paul's amazing, isn't he? He can say that because his life and his example has been one that people can just follow everything that he's done and they'll be right. Aaron, wouldn't that be lovely to live in that way, to set a good example for people in this church to follow, seek to live a life that's just full of the presence of Jesus and put into the practice the things that you're teaching others as well. And that would be wonderful, be fantastic. Show people that you really love Jesus in everything that you do. You know, Henry Ford said, you can't build a reputation on what you are going to do. So get things done. Start moving. Do what God is calling you to do. When you learn something from the Bible, just do it. When you sense the Spirit prompting you, 
Don't hold back. Do it. Build a life that is obvious by the things you do that Jesus lives in you. People of Wangaratta Baptist, whatever you have learnt from Jesus, whatever you've learnt from Paul the Apostle, from Aaron, from your life group leader, your small group leader, from people who have been great examples to you, people who love and follow Jesus, put it into practice. Do it. In our house, uh, we don't have a gym in our house. Maybe we should. I'm not sure. But out the back, I take a, um, you know, one of those mats out and a big heavy bar. <laughs> so I take it out. So I lie it down and I start to work out, get some action going, build some muscle and do that. Maybe that's a place where the action happens. Or it could be in the garage. You know, you, instead of talking about what we're going to do, that's where I hammer some nails and come back and say, look what I've done. Or it could be the front door where I actually say, okay, Mandy, I'm going out into the world to do some things. I don't know where the action, when you think about action in your home, happens. But we must remember that when people look at our lives, we want to see us putting into practice the things that have been done. And look at the promise that this verse holds. And the peace of God. Uh, yeah, and the God of peace will be with you. Not might. It's a promise. So rejoice. Pray. Think. And act. And the God of peace will be with you and everyone you meet, everyone you welcome in, whether you are in good times or dark times, will know that Jesus lives in with you because of the presence of Jesus. So if you want to remember the points, I thought you could just remember R-P-T-A. R-P-T-A. PTA. And you know why it might be good to remember that? Because, you know, rejoice, pray, think and act. Because really they're just four repetitive practices for today and always, aren't they? And if you would remember those as you memorise this verse, uh, you, you might be able to really think, God, as you remember that and you think about doing those things, say, Lord, would you help me? to bring hope to the North East. Because I can't do it alone. I can only do it with all of us together doing that that way. David Devine is a leader of the Baptist Union. He looks after the church health department of the Baptist Union. And all, over a year ago, his wife, Annette, died of, of breast cancer. And she died at 56 years of age. And at the funeral service, David shared how one surgeon who treated Annette said to David that whenever he saw Annette for treatment, she radiated the presence of Jesus. What a testimony 
people of God, may you radiate the presence of Jesus. Aaron, radiate his presence. And may everyone know that God is with you. Let's pray. God, you're such a good God. We love you that even when things go really difficult for us, you're with us. Your promises remain. Oh God, would you help us to be the kind of people that rejoice, that pray, that think and that act. And may people see our love for you and your presence in our life. And may their lives be changed too as you touch them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.